0: Welcome back! to Another episode of Life with Your Dog. Hope you're all doing well. Me and Luke are here to start the party again. How are you, my
1: brother? Can't complain. Can't complain. It's uh, we missed a couple of weeks, didn't we? We um, yeah. we were supposed to do last week, I think, or the week before. Yeah, apologies about that. Something came up. I couldn't
0: get out of it. It took way too long to finish, so it is what it is. And um, and this, and just today, my computer wouldn't turn on. That was freaking weird. So to I had to moon. Yeah, Foreman, and then also we have like a bit of a bad connection. I've acknowledged that Luke's been a little bit buzzy and cutting out some words, so we thought we've done everything we could to fix his internet connection. If there's any issues, I'm really keen to hear if there was any technical issues, just so we can hear it. Um, How are you, my bro? What's been happening?
1: Much. My wife is very pregnant, so that's certainly taking up a lot of our time now, preparing the house for the baby in three months. For the um, next chapter. Yeah, man. Exciting so times. Very excited. Amazing. Very, very happy for you guys. I can't yep. wait. Do you know boy or girl? No, we're going to wait.
0: Yeah, that's right. Oh, very, very exciting. And um, well, I guess there's something that we're going to discuss a little bit about that and we're going to tie that into what we want to talk about today. But we have to start right from the beginning. Today, we want to talk about anthropomorphism. And most people are like, whoa, what a massive word. What the hell does that mean? But it's interesting because no, not many people know the term, but every single person performs and, um, and is influenced by anthropomorphism on one level. But um, I did do a definition. I could research it. So I'm going to give one simple sentence to define what anthropomorphism is, and it is the attribution of human characteristics or behavior to a god, animal, or object. Anything you would like to add to a definition, my bro?
1: Um, I think, like, the subtitle of this episode could probably be Fur Babies. babies. (laughs) So true. (laughs) Literally very true. It's,
0: um, It's really annoying to see it, especially when it does affect, you know, in terms of, like, the training process and the behavior of the dog, how so many people, like almost everybody, is anthropomorphic on one level because and I guess the next thing that I wrote here is like why do we do it and for the biggest part it's that it's it, I guess it's a natural way for us to identify with the world and to make sense of the world and it is an unavoidable or subconscious thing because we are human and the best way that we could see the world on a fundamental level without any like you know specific training or much experience I guess we would just see the world as if it applies to us because we are the ones seeing it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So like, you know, trying to understand our dogs better and because I guess we feel bad for them. And usually it's because they don't do the things we do, but the only way that we can relate to them is by seeing them as if they are us and not for, that, for what they are actually meant to be. Let's give an example. One of the classic examples is, My dog was looking guilty. That means that he was doing the wrong thing, and that in and in and of itself is Is anthropomorphic, as anthropomorphic as it comes, almost because you are. Because if I was at home and I did the wrong thing and it was obvious I did the wrong thing, and my parents came home, you know, and the couch couch has been destroyed because I destroyed it with my teeth, you know, and then my parents come in going, "Oh my god, I can't believe you did that." Of course, I'm going to be guilty as they were coming now this is a very arguable fact. I'm sure lots of people are like, no, my dog definitely knows. And I'm like, I just don't, I just don't know. Um, Because if that was the case, then why would your dog
1: do it? Then you say, why would a child do it? it gets well, very- we can, yeah, we can get into that. Like, so there's, um, you know, there's appeasement behaviors, right? And so dogs are evolved to read our body language and they've evolved mm-hmm. over time to know, what facial expressions and what body language from them will elicit a certain response from us. Now, that doesn't mean that they actually know what these things are. It just means that they've worked out a way to almost, I guess, mimic that sort of facial expression or that kind of body language when they're appeasing us, when they feel that we're upset. It's not the exact same thing as actually feeling guilt. Yeah, that's a very good way of putting it. And
0: also, as you said, you come home, dog's normal. You see the thing. Oh my gosh. And the dog's like, oh my God. And then the dog goes into that behavior. That, that is classic. Yeah. Oh my God. The dog knew he did the wrong thing. It, the reason where I, where some people question is like, from the moment I come home before I even see the thing, the toileting the issue, the destructive behavior, usually those are the two things. It's, or like, you know, got all the food out of the bins. Like he knew he did the wrong thing as I came home. I don't know. As I said, we can go down a massive rabbit hole in terms of all of that, but it can, it can mean that, but more likely it's you walk up to the hole that your dog's dug you freak out. The dog's like every time you walk up to the hole in a certain way, or every time you come out first thing in the morning. There's a certain pattern of behavior where the dog starts to associate. Oh my god! Now I'm going to get in trouble, and that's where you can see either the appeasement behavior and also the submissive behavior because they think. Oh, and the and of course they're feeling scared and fearful. Oh my god! Maybe you're going to shout at me, get me in trouble. So that's where that he was feeling. He was looking guilty, and he knew he did the wrong thing. I think that can get us into heaps of trouble because it takes away really how the dog thinks and feels and also to actually fix the problem. You shouldn't start by going, the dog looks guilty, hence why he should stop doing it. It should be, if the dog's done it, he found some reason to do it. There was something that was encouraging him to do the behavior and you facilitated that by a lack of management on top of all of that. So it's better to start off in a more clinical way rather than an emotional way. And, I guess another classic example is like carrying a dog like a child and treating your dog like a child. Is- which,
1: which in, and I saw you pause there, which in and of itself is like, well, how do we treat children? And is the way you're saying, so is the way you're treating your dog and saying like he's my quote-unquote child or fur child or whatever you want to say, is that even how we sh- should or would treat like a toddler or a child anyway?
0: Well, like, it, yeah, it's a good point. And some people do coddle their children way too much and they don't know how to let go of their children as they get older and time for them to grow. So there is a whole, you know, phenomenon within that where people can't let go and they keep treating their children as if they were like an infant or a toddler because I guess some people can't let go of that maternal and paternal instinct. But I believe the reason why we treat the dogs like a bit of a fur baby is because of that maternal and paternal instinct that we have, especially at a certain age. Let's just say, you know, arguably after you hit puberty, you have this sense of, um, you know, wanting to, and especially later in ages, I'm talking more like late 20s and stuff. You see more people in the in the position they move out. Now it's time to, you know, have have a significant other. And then the next thing is usually the dog and the child and et cetera. Where when the dog comes in at that in that piece, it's that natural instinct to be like, well, let's be parents now. And it just naturally comes out to our dog. And I do see a massive change. I'm sure I've spoken about this before, is that once the actual real child comes, a lot of people treat the dog a lot differently, actually more like mm, an actual dog. When the
1: dog came before the child, especially. Yeah. Exactly.
0: And look, and that's not for everybody. It's just what I've noticed. And especially from being a parent, I've seen and maybe noticed it more. And also maybe and like with I always feel like I've treated my dogs as if they were dogs to honor their biological, you know, makeup of what they are. That's only because I've addressed dogs in a way of, you know, formal training and getting to really dig deep into, you know, dog behavior and and their psychology and things like that. So it's just been a natural thing for me. And I think I've, even before I had any training, I didn't do the things that I see a lot of other people doing with their dogs. And, of course, depends on the size of the dog. You're not carrying a wheeler around everywhere. But even when they're eight weeks old and they're super little tiny babies, you want to go for a walk, you want to hold him in your arms. It's probably better for him to walk on the floor because that's what he's going to do for the rest of his life. And you coddling him and treating him like an actual baby will hinder his development and his habituation, his socialization, so that he doesn't have an experience when it's time to walk on the floor when he's four months old, five months old when he's too big, for example. And I know it's a ridiculous example, but he starts to walk on the ground, doesn't know what to do. But doesn't but don't people do that to like Pomeranians and Chihuahuas and little cavoodles? They're small enough to be little tiny pocket little babies and they and become certain- dogs kind of thing. Yeah, they become so insecure being a little bag or being pushed in a stroller where they don't know how to be a dog, which then means we're hindering their actual growth, even though out of people's genuine, you know, um, caring and, you know, and providing for the dog, it's not coming from a bad place. Like, I'm going to hinder, like, I'm going to abuse this dog and not let him be a dog by carrying him in a handbag. It's coming out of love and affection, but it's just coming out in the wrong way. We're actually, impedes the dog's development and view of how they see the world
1: what are some of the implications you see with your clients when they are kind of treating their dogs in that way what what typically is a like a consequence of that so like
0: i think so what i wrote here so it can create behavioral issues such as aggression anxiety and it breaks down the relationship with the person and the dog so even though they're giving you know the dog sits on the table with me like we're talking extreme now When I'm eating dinner, I'll put him up on the chair. I'll give him some of my food and, you know, know, he sleeps in my bed every night. Not that I have a problem with dogs sleeping on beds. As long as you invite the dog in your bed, tell him when to get off and if you want to share some time, but to be always every single place that you go, you you know, you start to see we um, people that generally are over the top anthropomorphic with their dogs generally don't have much structure and discipline in their dog's life. So the dog's following him everywhere, can't be left alone. You always need to have someone looking after the dog. i got to drop him off at, you know, my parents' house, my friend's house, my neighbor's house. Pet sitters always have to come around, doggy daycare constantly. Like the dog never, ever gets to spend any time on its own because I've got a three-and-a-half-year-old ch- child. I'm not leaving him in the house while I go to Coles and back. That's, I'm pretty sure, definitely illegal. But also it's just immoral, right? Like you wouldn't because like... What happens, you know, he's a child, right? Where with Mm. a dog, like you said, in that natural instinct of thinking, I wouldn't leave a child here on my own. How can I leave an eight-week-old puppy in his pen while I go out? I can't do that. You know, and that's where it could break it down. I was like, no, you should definitely do that. So your dog can get used to being on his own because he's a dog, as well as having to live in our world. He he can't actually follow you everywhere. We're not village people where wherever we go, the dog follows. And even in village life, I'm sure your dog will have to pick up on certain movements and patterns. Where the dogs like, oh, sometimes we just don't go here and we don't come here. You know what I mean? So I think treating them like a child creates anxiety, separation anxiety in, in particular, but also it could even be social anxiety in terms of when a dog sees another dog, the dog starts to freak out. We pick him up all the time. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. We coddle him. You're reinforcing than- that behavior. Yeah, reinforcing the behavior, which then validates the state of mind. Because remember when people say, don't pick the dog up when you're scared and pat him because you're going to reinforce fear technically cannot reinforce a state of mind you can only reinforce behaviors that are a manifestation of that state of mind so if a dog's scared and barking and freaking out and trying to jump up on you for example and you keep picking the dog up you're reinforcing the jumping up but you're not really reinforcing the fear but i guess you do validate it i heard tyler Murdo talking about that and i'm like that was a really great way of putting it so i had to steal it and thank you sir um but also it doesn't give the dog a sense of what's actually real. And I think that's what can happen. And then of course, aggression comes from a lot of the times can come from anxiety or even of course, from fear and a lack of exposure. And also I see dogs that are the, that, that are cared the most exactly like, Hey, what you should do for a child and the dog has resource guarding issues. Won't get off the couch on oh, no, a, we have to sit on the floor because the dog's on the couch now. And if you try to get him off, he bites and it's like, you mean you sit on the floor while your dog's on the couch?
1: <laughs> Have you heard clients the- say that to you? Yeah, it's crazy. I've heard that yeah, shit. Right. Before. So, um, we ask the dog when we're allowed on the couch, kind of thing. Well, like, always oh, sleep. You know, he's sleeping though. You know, if we wake him
0: up and you know he gets mad, and I can't move him, so I don't want to get anywhere close to him. And and now he does it with my socks and my underpants, and and before you know it, it's the food on the floor, and you know, it's it's just that these weird behaviors start to manifest when the dog has no structural boundaries and again when you and like one of my last points here which I'll just kind of swing right to it because I think it's important to talk about now is it affects it affects the way that we see a dog and it breaks down the view of our dogs and what's considered appropriate and inappropriate on a cultural level so slowly slowly and I guess the next point where there was due to a dog's lack of fulfilling their traditional roles in our society we start to give them this companionship title, which then gives us the go ahead to treat them like children, not like what actually dogs were meant for, which then means we're changing, you know, that we're not fulfilling their their biological, uh, you know, mental and physical needs, which then means that we see more behavioural issues and then breaks down relationship and then the dog becomes aggressive, anxio- anxious and, you know, antisocial. And then also not on top of that, it rules people's lives, like, oh, we can't stay at the wedding for too long. So they go pick the dog up from my parents' house and go back home and they live here. And it's like, for your you Your
1: whole life becomes like living in between managing yes. the dogs, going and- from the, the, the friend's house to the doggy daycare or whatever it is. Yeah. You can even
0: worse when the child comes. Yourself. Yeah, the child comes and then the dog gets rehomed. It's like, what do you mean? So you treated him like a full little baby. Human baby, and now he doesn't live with you anymore. Or, or, one case I saw this with lady, which I was happy to see on one level. And I've definitely spoken about this because I guess it's one of the ones that, that stands out. But, um, so she had a little chihuahua dog, was pampered exactly how we spoke about with the bags and with this and that and again a chihuahua so already genetically gonna be narky to people and fearful of them just <laughs> on that level. And if you know chihuahuas, most of them are going to be like that. So um but she's amplified it and I guess maybe it draws that sort of you know that person that, that persona to you know acquire a chihuahua to be like my little tiny cute thing, you know? And um so she was very aggressive, had mad separation anxiety. And I mean aggressive to like all people, all babies, all dogs. Nobody except for the owner she liked. So um, and she lived with a husband and a baby was on the way and she goes, My dog's so aggressive, no one can come over. I'm scared for the baby, blah blah. So, no more sleeping on the on the bed. She sleeps in a pen, or did we start crate training? I don't know if I went as far as convincing her to do crate training because I think she was like, Oh my god, put my dog in the cage. Are you like serious? So I'm like, all right, let's just put the dog in a pen. I think that was a bit more easy going for her. And we, you know, this is how you walk a dog. This is how you teach basic commands. you got to build some relationship. Dog needs to learn to be on its own. You know, all the basic stuff that we had to cover. And, of course, we had to go into a bit more behavior modification techniques so that, she, you know, we can start to desensitize it to people. And she got quite well. Then it got to a point where I didn't say, so like, we'll training every like, you know, once a month for like three or four months and things were coming along nicely. Then the baby came, I didn't see him for a while. And I saw her again, like a year after. So the baby was about a year old and I rocked up and she said, this is what's happening. And I don't think there was an issue. Maybe there was like an outstanding session that we had to do or something. And she was, oh yeah, now the dog fully lives outside, doesn't even come inside at all Wow. now. Um, And you know, I think there was an issue with like her barking at her son or something, and we kind of talked through that, but it went from one extreme to another extreme where she's like, oh, yeah, she doesn't come inside anymore. We'd hardly have any time to walk her now you know, because the baby's taking up all my time and blah, blah, And then she goes, but I'm thinking of getting my son a cat. <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> so, why not? I was just like, look. And then she goes, look, and I'll go, why would you do that? I, she was maybe another dog so my dog can play with another dog. I'm like, I don't I think your dog would not be happy with another doggy. But I said to her, but why the like? Why not just give your the current dog everything you have, and everything you can do? Since you have no time to even fulfill that that needs. Adding another, she goes, yeah, but my son really wants one. I'm like, he's one years old. How could he even? How could Verbalize he even know that. to want one? Yeah, let alone what does that even mean? He's like, I just want to spoil him, and that's where I came up with the whole like, oh my god, like you wouldn't eat spoiled fruit. Why well, would you like want to spoil the child? And we had this conversation, and at the end of it, she came around to understanding. Oh my God, you know, like it was like almost like a revelation for for me to point some of these things out. But I, but it all came down to she treated the dog like a baby when she actually wanted a real baby, and then also the dog was impeded so much because of that where if she did the right things from the beginning, she would have had a nice, well-balanced, well-rounded dog, hopefully, which then means she could have added a baby to her family and then everyone would have flourished together. So I haven't seen her since. Hopefully she started lean the dog in a little bit because the dog wasn't aggressive to the baby at all. Just I think it barked every time or try to steal his food or something, just easy management stuff, you know. So, um, And that's where a lot of people don't understand when we say give a dog a job. Doesn't that sound very anthropomorphic? Because that's the point. It's that it sounds anthropomorphic. Um, maybe
1: we've been guilty of being anthropomorphic then by maybe. saying
0: that. Well, one of the points here I wrote is like it's unavoidable, it's subconscious. I don't think you can avoid it. You know, like when a dog's really stressed and like we all see, like when you see, we see a golden retriever smiling, everyone can picture what we're talking about. Mm. The, you know, the happy golden retriever. But you know, the smile that when a dog's stressed, like his eyebrows are up and he's like the side of his jowls are kind of like tucked up under his like, his cheekbone sort to the of thing. untrained
1: eye just looks like a
0: smile, right? It looks like a fool, like oh my god, he's smiling like the Joker. And I see that I'm like oh my god, the dog is stressed. And if you look at the whole picture, because it was like a meme where there was like a parrot, no a cat on the dog's back and a parrot on his head, and he had that face, and it's like look, like the Golden Retriever loves him, like you know that dog's fully being made to stand still while these other animals are on his back, and he's certainly feeling stressed. He does look like he's smiling, but he's actually freaking the hell out. And that could be a big way that we could damage the dog. Oh, the dog loves it when, you know, um when I do this thing. It's it's like, oh my God, that that's not a good sign. <laughs> um so um, or like when people say, you know, my dog barks at me because he's, you know, he's he's I'm um, throwing a tantrum. And I'm like, Well, kind of. But also, barking means he may even get reinforced, or yeah, maybe he's not liking it and he's potentially going to bite you. Like you have to see it for what it is so you can treat it better. And also, talking about bonding and that relationship building, you should honor your dog for what he is and also give him a job in a sense of fulfilling him mentally and physically, giving him a daily routine and structure and schedule where you can fulfill everything that he needs to be so that. You can have a dog as a companion and a dog for what a dog is. And I think the saddest thing is that maybe a lot of the time where most people don't want a dog, they want the idea of a dog, number one, but also a dog-shaped drug. Yeah. Like they just, they want a an easy way of having a friend or something. Like, I don't know. That sounds so mean to say, right. But like,
1: that might not be the a, case. He's, he's not a human that, though. That, that might dog, be the right? case, you know. So, like, that's one element to the mix is, like, people are lonely, you know, and, like, a dog provides a lot of companionship. And then sometimes people who get a dog maybe for that reason alone, they just maybe they don't have the tools or the skills or even, the like, the knowledge to know what they might be doing wrong, right? And that's typically, I guess, where a trainer comes into the mix. All of that is true.
0: And actually, that's why I mean it's sad. I don't mean it's sad because people are learning they get dogs and they shouldn't because certainly not the case because I'm fully advocate of all of that. I just think it's sad that we then, you know, we're, we're motivated to have a dog for those reasons, but then we give we treat the dog as if he is another person because we need because we are lonely and we don't have people, so we have a dog. So we treat him like the person, which then screws him up. Rather mm-hmm. than going, look, I'm lonely. I'm going to get a dog. I'm going to treat him like a dog, and I'm going to do dog things for him to be a dog. And then, and then, and then he can give me everything that I want. Rather than I'm lonely. I got a dog, and now the dog destroys everything. He soars in my house. Can't have any friends over. I can't see other dogs. I Have to walk in midnight. You know. So to, we have dogs to complement our lives, but sometimes they complicate it. And maybe we two things either hopefully shouldn't use dogs to fill a void on like a vanity level. Hopefully they're filling a void properly and like serving an actual purpose. And I think most of the time they do, but a lot of people get dogs for the wrong reasons. And, and then on top of that, why can't we make it normal not to be anthropomorphic as being the normal? How about we make proper education of dog training and how to raise a dog properly and how to fulfill them, even on like, without the politics of, what style what technique just anything just even just just talking about the fundamentals and then people can look at where where they can do the hows and the and the whats talk more about why should we actually train a dog what is basic dog body language how do you you know walk your dog just in a basic sense like why is walking even important just real basic stuff that is something I'm not going to say mandatory but something that we just do do you know what i mean i wish that can change. And hopefully we're making a change. Maybe in the future we can look back and, and we've contributed to that. But um, like how many people get, and I'm sure this is a probably bad, ex- bad um, example, but let's say someone who gets a hot rod car, something you can't drive on the streets, it's not really accessible to just drive up my street, but I take it to Easton Creek to run it around the, um, the, the, uh, the, whatever, the racetrack. How many people do that with zero research or zero training? I'm sure it's a small number. Do you reckon?
1: Yeah. What, what are you referring to when you talk about that in terms of dogs? You mean like the wrong, you mean like a, the wrong just, kind of dog or. Well, like just, I have a dog and now I fed him some food and he's living in my living room.
0: Oh my God. You had the dog from, like, I got yeah. him on the weekend. I've always wanted a dog. And it's not like, why didn't you research because bro, there's information everywhere. You can learn anything you want anywhere. It, it's just that. It wasn't like there was even a barrier to cross. It wasn't like like you got to register him and get him microchipped. But like there's, and I'm I'm not saying it should be a law to say you should learn, but there should be something that, and hopefully our culture would deem upon it. The problem, as well, with all of this is that as much as I'm saying we need to give a dog a job and give him boundaries and rules and discipline and all that sort of stuff and everything that is involved, but then what I wrote something here and it's really important. So when society anthropomorphizes our dogs, what we deem as appropriate out of anthropomorphic view may seem inappropriate and abusive to training, which then means the thing that would be most required is actually being demonized because of our anthropomorphism, which then ruins the relationship with our dogs and it spirals out of control. So, and I think that is like a bit of a, you know, it's a an effect of how we see nature in general and that, you know, we even anthropomorphize the weather, you know, like some people are like, oh, it's a happy day today. or It's a sad day today. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's the best way for us to identify with it. So being too anthropomorphic can ruin the relationship with your dog, even though it's coming out of the good intentions.
1: Well, yeah. there's a saying like the road, the, ro- <laughs> the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Right. So like, People true. in various aspects, whether it's dogs or anything else, they can often mean the best, but actually doing the wrong thing. Exactly. Right? Okay. So good intentions we, alone are not sufficient in most cases. No. And which which is sad
0: as well, right? Because some, most people mean well, but they don't do well, you know? Um, so Courtney, one of my clients, commented on one of our videos on Instagram, and she was asking about our take on the you know, the, um, the, the buttons that the dogs press and it makes a word. It says oh, like, the, speaking, know, yeah, the speaking. Yeah. The speak buttons. Yeah. Yeah. And she goes like, you know, and she called it a communication tool. So as we were talking, we were tossing up between two different topics. When she asked that question, I said straight away, I'm like, we're doing anthropomorphism because we see these ads always on Instagram where the dogs are hitting, like I'm hungry or, you know, <laughs> pat me. I've been bad and all this sort of stuff. So what we do is a, what you would do as a training trick that can seem more than what it is. If like, if you can say, um, how was your day today? And that could be your cue to good or bad. You can click them to either like teach your dog. When you give that command, they press either the orange and the red. And that means either good or bad. And mm-hmm. then, you know, so just what happens to be, they press it's like, Oh, you had a good day. And then you go like, you know, are you hungry? And they always click. Yes. You know? And, <laughs> Um, what would you like? And they and then, you know, you can teach dogs to respond to those questions, those cues, those like a specific, you know, usually the the last word within that sentence, which then is a cue to press the button and then you yeah. can make a story out of it. Just now, like what they do
1: bearing bearing in mind, just like a a clicker or a, any kind of verbal marker or cue, like when you first show the dog that um button with that specific word, it means nothing until you pair it with a behavior, right? So it's like the dog doesn't know what intrinsically of what that word. means. No, yes. they've just learned that that cue yes. has the same result every time they press it from e- the exactly. from the human, right?
0: So it's not like you come home and then your dog like, "Hey, I'm feeling bad because I'm hungry," and like that's that's what it looks like, but it's not that. Now, not to take away from the trick, because you know you got a free shape these commands, which is pretty easy. And also, you know, if you have like 12 buttons, that's like 12 different associations. The dog needs to understand what cue to what color. And like, it's not like it's the easiest thing in the world. It's not the most difficult thing to teach, but it's not a communication tool. It's not like you can ask your dog something and then he tells you what he feels. That's being anthropomorphic. It's like me being um, dumb, like I couldn't speak and that I would press a button to communicate or use sign language. That is a human thing dogs just don't do that so <laughs> it's not part of them so um but certainly and her dog Ziggy is a really smart dog so she can What's certainly buy a little kelpie cross
1: yeah you certainly so there buy a fairly like intelligent dog Intelligent dog you have the the the
0: the capacity to teach these things and you can teach most dogs to do this but yeah she would certainly thrive on it and
1: it is a complex skill even to saying like an intelligent You know, an intelligent breed more than than another breed. I guess even that is like slightly anthropomorphic, right? Well, that
0: was so. Remember, there was three topics we're going to choose from, and the other one, well, the last one. Remember, it's the types of intelligence. mm. So maybe one of the next topics that we talk about is
1: that because what is intelligent?
0: Yeah. Because you know, and how do we
1: define that in the context of a dog? Like exactly. And it reminds me of what makes a border collie smarter than I don't know other another yeah another random breed. Like how do you define that?
0: Well, like, a smart how do you measure yeah, it? Exactly. It's very hard to measure because you wouldn't get, you wouldn't get a, let's just say, random breed, you're not going to get a bulldog typically to herd sheep. That's in that example. Now, when a dog can herd the sheep, you'd be like, a smart dog. But when you see the border collie trying to kill a bull and hang off its body, it's like, dumb sheep. Why is it biting his ankles? Where the bulldog bites its skin somewhere where it's like, you know, the ear or the neck or something. And you're like, smart dog trying to kill that bull. He's smart where the border collie is going through his ankles and he's trying to move him somewhere. He's like, what's that dog doing? He's not a stupid dog. You see what I mean? But then yeah. roles reversed. What's intelligent? Just like Einstein saying, you can't, um, to, well, fully butchered it now. i got to remember it. Um, if a fish judge himself on his ability to climb, he'll live his whole life thinking he's stupid mm-hmm. because fish don't climb. So, um, Unless it's a climbing fish. But, you know, every time I say that in my head or out loud, I always remind myself of those fish that climb up the waterways, <laughs> which is um, hilarious. So that is a very small fish then, right? So I guess it's things to think about. You know, what is intelligent? And, yeah, I guess we'll get into all of that. I think it's very fascinating that we can we discuss that. Um, the last point here is, like, you know, dying, denying your dog's fundamental needs can be another outcome of being anthropomorphic. So Look, obviously, we're preaching. here saying people should be learning more about dogs and blah, blah blah. And you're listening to a podcast about dog training, so awesome! You're not the person we're talking about. We're talking about you're
1: already in the top probably one percent of dog owners to even seek out something like this. I would you're say already awesome. Um, but, um, but there's a little pat on the back for you.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but her- however, whoever's listened to this can, you know, have another way of thinking about it because most people didn't know what anthropomorphism was before they started listening to this. So you know what it is, spot it when you see it and don't just go, don't be anthropomorphic, like give a remedy or a solution to what the situation is, otherwise just being annoying. Um, And most people that are going to be anthropomorphic will probably always will be unless they have a reason to change. So that's another thing. Like my parents would be like the worst for that. Um, Give us an example. Oh, I don't know. Like. It is probably not the best example for being anthropomorphic, but when my dog, when Spade used to be at their house, when they look after him and I see him like following, they go, oh, dog's always hungry in the morning. I'm like, how do you know? He goes, well, he follows me around in the kitchen for toast. I'm like, how do you know he wants toast? Because when I give it to him, he eats it.
1: (laughs) Have you tried giving him something in the morning that he didn't eat?
0: But he but he wanted toast. And it's like, how do you know he wanted toast? Because when I gave it he to him told he ate me. it. I'm like, well, <laughs> yes, I guess he wanted it because when you gave it to him, he ate it. But he yeah, told
1: me by eating it. Yeah. Like it's just you can see what I mean. It's like, well, that's frustrating. And it's like I- saying this this cup of water um keeps bears out of my house. Do you seen do you see any bears around right any, now? Because every time I drink the water, I never see bears. Well, exactly. there's yeah, there's no bears here right now. Exactly. Um,
0: <laughs> it's it's frustrating only because every time Spades had like grains like that, he would like flare up, have a bit of allergic reaction. So it's like, Daddy, like he's not supposed to eat it.
1: He's a gluten free um, dog,
0: is he? He's a gluten free dog. And like what well, all dogs probably shouldn't eat any gluten, I reckon. Yeah, I mean, probably <laughs> we shouldn't either, but that's but he's that's got an allergic reaction to it for sure. And um, and I'm like, he just shouldn't eat it. So like just don't give it to him. Like if he follows you around, I don't know, give him something else at least. Like I know you're gonna do it. So again, there's another thing. So like don't just feed him, only feed him once a day, like what I told you to. Um, he probably won't do that. Let's just face it. So instead, go, you can give him this, and then like I don't know, maybe like drop off some Zeewee peak or something. It's like every time he follows you, but then he's gonna follow you more. Then you're like, maybe you should teach him to go to the bed. It's like now I'm teaching him to train the dog, that's not gonna happen. So you know what? Sorry, spades, but I'm you may be a bit flared up when I pick you up again because you're <laughs> eating bread um it's it's kind of frustrating so it would frustrate you too and i I guess now now you know why you're frustrated Hmm. so anyway that's that i'm pretty sure well i guess what i want like i didn't want to elaborate too much on it because i'm sick and tired of talking about it but um but that's why most people think there's you know animal abuse and you know welfare of dogs at risk because they see it like dogs in a crate you're abusing the dog dogs on a leash on a collar he's getting abused and it's like yeah that's another good intention because it's not like the person's trying to mean harm but they're doing harm and that shouldn't be cool but if somebody who doesn't know better hears it they're like oh yes certainly i would mm-hmm. understand that because i wouldn't want a, a leash around my neck so it must be very mm-hmm. but then but you know what i mean like it just doesn't even add up and there's, but again, we're talking about something very logical to people that aren't very rational and logical people. They're very emotive and emotional. So, you know, I guess that's where our society is heading for certain things. And I guess it just comes up in the dog training world in this way. So,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of what we're seeing now is I would say, you know, in terms of the bands and that kind of thing is, I would say it's anthropomorphic. Mm Mm-hmm right, because a, a dog learns in a different way to, well, you know, slightly different way to the way we learn, right? And so, like, we're pushing emotion onto these tool bands. Yeah. Right? And, I mean, to me, that that feels like we're it's anthropomorphic. I could be wrong, but it just feels that way to me. Well, like when they try to sell it, it's, would you like
0: this to be like that? And it's like, yeah, but would you want to eat from the floor? Maybe I put floor, food on the floor for you to eat. Come to my mm. restaurant. And it's like, oh, here's your food. i put it on the floor. So get on your hands and knees and eat it. Like, you know what I mean? So mm. should, should we feed the dogs? Like they should stand up on two feet and like sit mm. with a bib on or something. Like it just, you can't pick and choose when it's, when it works for you and when it doesn't. That's mm. another problem too, you know, but then that's all talking about agendas and people want power and influence and, You know, whatever. And and then it goes as far as well, owning a dog is being, is against its welfare and it's abusive because you shouldn't own any pets because pets should be free or animals should be free, not under any human kind of um, management or whatever. Mm. But that doesn't work for like domestic animals like dogs. Now, certainly there's lots of wild dogs that have, you know, run away from homes and created their own packs and they run around in New South Wales as we speak. Um, and I've heard them out in the bush, like they're a real, and they're not dingoes. Um, so they can go back to a wild state, but that's not your, that's not nookie and or spades. Maybe like, mm, I wouldn't know, I don't know about chili. but like chili descendants, like most of them look kind of kelpie, kelpie-ish, mm. you know, little dingo dogs. So we could let them free, but then like that's not what they were designed for. And also they'd probably live a hell of a lot better life at my house than out in the, out in the wild. So, I don't know. It's um, It does call for a lot of... And again, we talk about these conversations coming to these sort of conclusions. And, you know, we seem like this is pretty rational and common sense, but most some people may disagree, but they'll probably listen to the, it if they, if they listen to it. And then they'll have like a whinge to their other friends. But I want to have a conversation with someone who disagrees with these ideas. And it'll be nice to have a bit of I a debate. I would love
1: to get someone on the podcast like that. I, would, yeah, I think it would make it a for a little. great conversation. I think so. and And not to be like... You know, to
0: make fun or to belittle no, them. No, 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 not to at fully, all. To fully, have like understand their perspective. Yeah, like even who thinks someone who thinks they shouldn't put a slip lid or a prong collar on a dog. Period. Ever. Um, I want, mm. I want to speak to that person just to understand their perspective and also for the listeners to understand. I
1: would, and be challenged. So we can be challenged. I would, so I would challenged much by. rather have. I want to find the person who, like, there's. It's easy to find people who don't like prong collars. I'd love to find someone who feels like, even like a slip or a martingale is okay. like. Yeah, okay. know, let's go. I think that's let's fair. define it
0: a little bit. Let's go uh, any you know, a, any collar, any collar on the, around the neck or crate training. If you think crate training is like abusive, or oh, that's another thing I was going to say. That was another thing that triggered why I wanted to make this um, this topic of discussion. All right, so ready for it. There was um, a video that I put ages ago on my YouTube channel with a little dash hound in a playpen, and he was barking for separation distress. wasn't wasn't didn't have anxiety. He was just needy so i set up the camera and i was on like time lapse real fast and we went away and like over like a five or ten minute period you can see the dog going through an extinction burst bark, and then she settles down and lays down when she laid down for a good one to two minutes we came down gave her some treats walked back up she kind of had a little bit of a bark but she stopped it was another decent period we came back down we let her out and i don't get that many views on my youtube channel um but one lady decided to write well Oh, I should have I should have had it prepared. Um, what was says, the gist of it? The gist of it was she um, says, "Oh, treat dogs like children. Dogs, dogs, um, shouldn't be in cages. You don't put children in cages. That's just horrible, abusive, or something." And I said, "Ha ha ha." Um, th- this comment is is too dumb to reply to, but I had to reply this to you just so you know. <laughs> it was my comment back. And um and I shared it and oh my stories isn't everyone thought it was hilarious. And but then someone wrote in a relationship saying, Didn't you tell her that we put babies in cots and play pens? Um, you know, so like what's the difference? I'm like, listen, that's way too rational for this person's thinking. This person's already sold on the idea because she had to leave a comment on a video that's had like 32 views. Or something ridiculous so it's like yeah, not, not 32 000, just 32 like i think you know so it's not like oh my god i have to say i have to say something to all these comments she was the only person who wrote something
1: but apparently comments are the mark of a very good youtube video so you've obviously done something right 32 views and it took you 32 views to get one comment that's like i feel like that's a very high ratio oh well, thank you sir thank you <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and and the algorithm loves controversy too so even better perfect so maybe i'll
0: go back and there'll be more views on that video um But uh, but I think it was funny because he was exactly right. Well, you put a baby in a cot to manage the baby so the baby doesn't like fall out or like hurt itself and whatever, and like manage it. Like it's just you do for a baby, like for a dog. So I got a puppy dog at that. It wasn't even like. So she just thinks it's inappropriate to put a dog in a cage or inside of any form of crate. That was like her thing, and that would be anthropomorphism, especially since she says. It's not what you should do to dogs and because you wouldn't do it to a child. That was the thing. It wasn't like you don't, oh, know I don't that like I w- you,
1: you don't know that I wouldn't put a child in a crate, lady. How do you know that?
0: Exactly. <laughs> Actually, I had my crate out. I pulled it out of the canopy and I had it open. This was when my, when Leonardo was like 80 months old, two years old or whatever. And I was, I'm cleaning out the car and he was out the front and he crawled into the crate and closed it. And I looked back and that was when his hair was wild. We hadn't cut it yet. So he'd look like a little Tarzan baby inside. <laughs> inside of the crate and he pulled it closer so i did take a photo of it <laughs> hopefully um that doesn't get a monster yeah. yeah exactly it's like look at this putting a savage, savage child in a crate um but yeah i think it's just it blocks the common sense because most people will then say let the puppy run free but then the puppy shits everywhere and destroys everything and then you can't have anything nice so now you live under the the rule of your puppy and how is that any better for anybody, especially if the puppy swallows something inappropriate and dies? So it's like, it just none of it makes sense. It's not a common sense thing. But again, you'd be surprised how much has to be taught to people so that they can see it that way and be like, Oh, interesting. I'm going to try that. And they try and they're like, wow. It's also another thing for dog trainers listening is how you speak about it. Like, don't be so offended that someone's being anthropomorphic because it is something triggering because we do honor the dog and we feel. I feel anyway, very like, you know, we've got to honour the dog's spirit for what it is and represent it. And then when someone's being anthropomorphic, it's almost like it's so annoying that it gets, makes you angry in a way. And it's like, how stupid can you fucking be? And you, oh. uh, and not that I've gone that far and been that frustrated, but mm. there's been times where I see it and go like, listen, and then we talk about it as if you've never talked about it before. No one's ever heard it before. And we're teaching this to a to a young person because it is not obvious. It's totally not obvious. Like, okay, a dog pees on the bush and when he rubs his leg, you're like, oh, he's cleaning his feet, you know, because he may have got pee on it. You're like, no, he's doing the opposite. He's spreading his scent as far as it can go. So everyone knows I peed on this tree. And it's like, oh, wow. We don't live in their world of odor. We don't know what they've done with that odor. Well, is it an odor or a scent? I think it's a scent if it comes off an animal and an odor if it was in off an press, object, is it? Off an object. I'm pretty sure okay. that's what we heard on the TCP. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, but regardless, we don't think like that. So we we we're, we're gonna be anth- so if you're talking to somebody and trying to educate them and they're doing something anthropomorphic, ease up when you're talking about it because it can't, you can you can't get fired up. Um, just from personal experience, and I'm sure um everyone understands what I'm talking about. So that's that for today's episode.
1: I reckon that's a good place to finish it up. Yes, sir. Well.
0: Thank you, everyone, for listening. You know what to do. Send us some love. Any questions? Hit us I up. noticed
1: our Spotify reviews are, are, are growing. So I, I did see some. If you haven't already taken the three and a half seconds that it takes to click on the review on Spotify, you know, it might be nice if you helped us out. Give us some love. Give us a five stars. Please. And for those of you that don't <laughs> listen on Spotify, like, let's join the 21st century, you know?
0: Yeah, or you can do it on Apple Podcast. Yeah, either way. Either one. We love you all.
1: Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time.
0: Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Life With Your Dog. Please share with your friends if you're enjoying our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook, Life With Your Dog Podcast. My name's Panos, and to keep up with my dog training adventures, tips and techniques, you can find me on Instagram at np underscore dog underscore training, my website
1: npdogtraining.com or my YouTube channel Nutris Pooches. Thanks for listening, guys. My name is Luke. If you'd like to find out more about my dog training services, you can find me at www.kizuna that's k i z u n a a c a n i n e dot com dot uh, I'm also on Instagram at kizuna canine training.